Here at Doxaday Bloom, we are excited about making disciples who impact the city and nations. We hope that you enjoy today's message. Well, guys, so excited spending time with you and all of the Doxadeo guys online with me today here in Bloemfontein. Very, very excited. We're kicking off with a brand new series called Awaken. Really excited about this series because it looks into this idea of living a life awakened, fully awakened, the fullness of life, enjoying the life in abundance that Jesus brought for you and for me. So I want to invite you to dive in with me. I thought it best by starting off this sermon series with a story about myself, telling you guys a little bit more about Lorraine. Now, <clears throat> for those of you guys who don't know this, I was a serious night owl in my younger days. So as a teenager, like most teenagers, I really enjoyed sleeping late in the morning and going late at night to bed. I mean, somebody would invite me to go and check out a sunrise and I would just be like, okay, well, that's a nice idea. But a sunrise is basically a sunset just in reverse. So if God wanted me to see that, he would have done it for me like that. So that's how serious I was when it comes to night owling and staying awake late at night. But um, as I became a dad, some interesting stuff started happening in my life, especially when it comes to my sleeping patterns. You see, <clears throat> kids don't wake up late in the morning. They wake up a little bit earlier. And um, sometimes when I do stay up too late and I need to wake up early the next morning to get things done and going, there is this little thing that's called an alarm, and it has a beautiful button called the snooze button. And I love pushing that button. Maybe you can relate with me. Maybe you've been there before. Maybe you need to confess now and get it all out there. But I call it being stuck in the snooze zone. And you can probably relate to this because when you're stuck in the snooze zone, you're somewhere between the real world and your dream world. I mean, it's that amazing but terrible feeling both together. It's like mixed emotions. The one side, oh, just a few more minutes, and, and then when that alarm goes off, like the rude wake-up call, getting up and get things going. Now, the reason why I'm telling this story is because I believe for so many of us in our Christian walk with Jesus, we get stuck in the snooze zone, in our Christianity. For some of us, maybe it, it has been a big crisis. Maybe it's been COVID that slowly but surely sussed you to sleep, and the alarm bell is going off. You need to wake up. There's some new things, ventures. You need to step out, take responsibility for what God is placing in your hands right now. But you're hitting snooze. It's just like, can't do this now. Snooze button the whole time. Maybe it's not just the crisis. Maybe this has been your picture of Christianity. I remember for me, this has really been a big thing in my early walk with Jesus where I knew about God, I gave my life to Jesus as a young boy, actually at the age of eight already, after I literally had a dream, I gave my life to Jesus. And um, <clears throat> as I gave my life to Him, I entered into the kingdom of God. But never did I really discover, and hopefully through this series, I can share with you some more of that, never did I really fully live in the kingdom. God. I was hitting the snooze button the whole time. Just when things started getting, and I would hit the snooze button, and there's a wake-up call opportunity for me to 
to take a step of faith into what God has for me and to really follow Jesus with everything in me like we preached throughout this past six weeks. But I would hit the snooze button. I would procrastinate on those opportunities in my life. Maybe you're like me. Maybe this has been a journey for you. You know you've become a child of God, but you're not fully really living like a child of God. And today I want to invite you as we're going to dive in to the awakened life. And today's sermon title is also Awaken, to live an awakened life. Better understand what that means. We're going to look at three things. We're going to discover how God wakes us up. Secondly, we're going to look at what it looks like when we do get stuck. We get stuck in the snooze zone. What does that look like in our lives? And then thirdly, we're going to look at what it actually looks like when we live the awakened life. What, do, what does it look like when, when we get a taste of living fully like that? So let's dive in. Number one, how does God wake us up? Now, in order to discover a little bit more about this, I want to take you to one of my favorite stories in the Bible. I really enjoy this story. It's a story about Lazarus, one of Jesus' best friends. Um, the Bible tells us, close friend to him. And he got the news that Lazarus is really sick and um, Mary and Martha is inviting him to quickly come so that he can come and heal his best friend. Then the Bible tells us Jesus, hearing this news about Lazarus, decides to stay a little bit longer in the town that he was busy ministering at that stage. I mean, it doesn't make really sense, but still, Jesus does stay longer. And then finally, the Bible tells us he stayed so long and when he got to Lazarus, ultimately, it was, in the words of Martha, too late. Because Lazarus has now passed away. He's been buried in a tomb. And was Jesus there a little bit earlier, he could have healed him. But now, he's too late. And that's where we pick up our little story with, me, with Martha and Jesus having a conversation about this. And Jesus asking Martha, Martha, do you believe that Lazarus will be resurrected again? That he will be alive again? And then she tells him, yes, Jesus, I do believe that, uh, that Lazarus will be woken up and that, that he will be living again. But on that day, on the day of the resurrection, you see, there is this thing with, in the Bible that tells us there will be a resurrection one day when Jesus comes back. All that are dead, they will fully wake up and be alive again, made and come back to life fully because death is not the end of our life. Yet Martha stands there still hoping in a day. Jesus looks at her, and I think that's probably the reason why I love this story so much, is because of that authority that he speaks with when he looks at Martha and he says, well, Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. And then we go into John 11, verse 41 to 42 where he says the following, instructs the guy standing around, remove the stone. Then Jesus looked up and he said, he speaks to his father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said, <clears throat> this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And if you are looking weird at me at this moment, you can imagine that's probably how the crowd around Jesus looked. Thinking, oh my word, what just happened? And they're 
then, in that moment, something happens as they hear a sound coming from the tomb of a dead man's grave. They can't believe their ears, and very soon they won't be believing their eyes because Lazarus starts walking out of his grave. He is awake. He is risen. And it was one thing that woke him up, only one, the Word of God. You see, when God speaks, He spoke the whole world into existence. And in this moment, He wakes us up. We that are dead of our sin and our trespasses, we have been woken up, we've been made a new creation the moment you hear God speak over your life. And maybe today, as you're listening to this message, wherever you are, you're hearing God saying, well, you might be alive or you might be living, but not alive. I'm busy with life, Loren, but I'm, I'm truly dead on the inside. I'm experiencing no life whatsoever. And you're longing for God to give you a word, to speak to you, to wake you up like Lazarus, to say, come out. I have so much more for you. Maybe that's in your heart. Maybe you've been busy with work and you thought work and money and success and a house and family and kids, that would be the life. And you've been giving yourself to that. But the one thing that you have not yet given yourself to was whatever God has on your heart. I'll never forget when God spoke that to me and how it woke me up to dive into a brand new reality. Maybe that's you. Maybe you are already alive. Maybe God did speak to you. But that word is almost like a far-off distant memory way there back in the past. And kind of like Lazarus coming out of his tomb, but he's still wrapped in his grave clothes. He's awake, but he hasn't woke up. He's not fully awake. You know, it's like snooze button zone, getting stuck there the whole time. And you need to hear God speak to you, and you need to fully embrace this new reality when you have become a new creation, when you've woken up to the God life that you are in now because you are one of his children. Luckily for you and me, if you're stuck in this news zone, there's actually a brilliant story about a group of people, the Israelite nation, that also got stuck in this snooze zone. And we read about that in the book of Exodus, where God rescues the Israelites out of Egypt. Now, just quickly before we dive into the story, for all the Bible geeks, a little Trivia moment to get you to see what's actually busy happening because this is a super cool story and it links to so many cool, amazing things. So this is basically like the Lazarus story, God waking up, but now just on a way bigger scale, waking up his nation after 400 years of slavery, he speaks and he opens up a doorway for them. Now, what's really interesting about this, just a quick question, Bible trivia, God created the world And we read about this in Genesis chapter 1. Interestingly enough, he created it with his word. He said, God said, and then there was. Have you ever counted the amount of times God, this phrase, God said, appears in Genesis 1? Well, if you go do and count them, you'll find that it's a wonderful 10 times. 
So God spoke 10 words and all of creation woke up to the glory of God and started proclaiming His glory by just existing, being alive. The birds singing, the bees buzzing, the fish swimming, everything in God's wonderful creation glorifies Him. They wake up. They woke up to His glory. Ten times He spoke. Now, interestingly enough, in this story, God speaks ten times, actually twice, in the Israelite story. The first time is when He spoke ten times through Moses. No ten plagues set the Israelites free. Ten words. And then the next time was on the Mount Sinai when he gave them the Ten Commandments as commonly known to us. In fact, the actual translation of that would be ten words. God gave ten words and he showed them the picture of a new nation. That's kind of the picture there. So this is a creation work. God is doing something brand new in the story. And God just freed the Israelites from Egypt after 400 years of slavery. And that's where we're going to pick up our story because they get stuck. You see, they just get out of Egypt, very excited. God just did a miracle. The Israelites are free. The promises of God looks as if it's going to happen because they're on their way to the promised land. And then the next moment, bump in the story. It's like speed bump. We're very excited. Woohoo! Red Sea right in front of us. Okay, guys, we're camping for the night. It's going to be some time to get over this obstacle. But just as they get ready, there's a rumble in the background, and it sounds like horses and armies are making their way straight for Israel. And it's in that moment that the Israelites have a key response. They've just been saved by God out of Egypt, out of 400 years of slavery. And this is how they respond when they reach the first little obstacle in their new life. They look at Moses and they say, Was it because there were no graves in Egypt, Moses, that you brought us out to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, Leave us alone. Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in this desert. Can you believe it? It's like, God, you just set me free, and now I'm angry because of my first speed bump. I'm not going to, God, you set me free. God, please open up the way. I'm like, God, why didn't you just leave us in slavery? I mean, how crazy is that? That is not someone living the awakened life, this new, brand new, free life that you've just received. That's not the picture. You've been set free, but you're not yet living free. Isn't it interesting that so many times, as Christ followers, we have the faith to follow God out of the old, but we struggle with the faith to follow Him into the new. That is getting stuck in the snooze. That's exactly where the Israelites are in this very moment. I also think it's very important to note this moment that the Israelites did not get stuck because God stopped moving. They got stuck 
because they stopped following. They had their own agenda. They were going backwards. They were on their way back to Egypt. They weren't following God. They were like, God, why did you do this? Why didn't you just leave us in that space? And this is the moment where we realize there's a total different story starting because many times when we read the story of the Exodus out of Israel moving towards the promised land, we think this is a story about getting the Israelites out of Egypt. But we soon discover throughout the story, the Exodus story, that actually this is a story not of getting them out of Egypt, but getting Egypt out of them. Getting them to a place where they would surrender to God's new way of life. Stop questioning and start trusting. Start moving forward, trusting for more miraculous works. Seeing God opening and doing things that only he can do. Because you see, God looks at Moses, says to him, stretch out your hand. He opens up and they walk through on dry ground. I wonder where you are stuck where God has been calling you and set you free, but the obstacles in front of you right now are just too big. Where do you need to trust God for the new? You did trust Him. You put your faith in Him for the old. You need to trust Him for the new. I want to end off as we look at what does it look like to live this new awakened life with a story that's found in the book by John Stickle. Now, the book that he wrote, Follow the Cloud, is actually the base for this whole series that we're working from. And in this book, he tells a little story um, <clears throat> called uh, It's Just Peanut Butter. And it's a story about him going on a missionary trip shortly after the 9-11 events took place in America. You can imagine, big moment. And then he decides, in all of his great wisdom, to go to a missionary trip for 10 days to Pakistan. Can you believe that? <laughs> he says he doesn't know what, what he was thinking at that stage and at that moment. Yet, he went. And him being a very picky eater, took with him a jar of peanut butter because of the energy and so on, just to survive and get through the whole 10-day experience. And he then mentions in the story that right towards the end, he caught dengue fever. That means got very, very sick. And he was living from this jar of peanut butter and things were really not going that well. And then finally, at the end of their trip, when they arrived at the airport, he was standing there. You can imagine the picture. A six-foot white American guy, bloodshot eyes, shaking right there in the row because of his dengue fever and some serious shakes, just by the way. You can imagine the airport security guys took one look at him and came to the conclusion that this guy must be a drug smuggler. That's obviously it. So, needless to say, he wrote this. So, I want to read it to you as he ends his story. It says, as they escorted me to the <clears throat> detention area, I just kept thinking, I want my mommy. <laughs> Maybe you've been there as well before in life, that you've been so desperate, you want your mommy, crying that all out. All I could picture was spending the rest of my life rooming with some terrorists in Pakistan in a Pakistani prison. After sitting in a small cell for what seemed like hours, two angry Pakistani officials came in, slammed my jar of peanut butter on the table, and they kept asking me what it was. 
what was I on? And what I was smuggling. Seriously? I thought to myself. Finally, after doing my best to convince them, it was only food, and that wasn't a smuggler. They agreed to let me go, but only if I left this jar of peanut butter behind. So, I gladly left my jar of peanut butter behind. It's crazy to think that in this story, the only thing standing between John and his freedom, getting out of this terrible circumstances, was a jar of peanut butter. The thing that kept him alive for the past 10 days was the thing that he had to give up in this moment to go and enjoy his freedom. I wonder, I wonder where you are in terms of enjoying this new awakened life. Because to put it as simple as possible, just like the Israelites had to do, and many times we need to do, this is going to sound, I know, Christianese and cheesy, but it's so true. We need to let go of our little jar of peanut butter, and we need to let God open up the Red Sea that we're facing right in front of us. I want to end off by considering maybe a few areas in your life and giving you an opportunity. Maybe you might be and find yourself in life right now at this very moment. What little jar of peanut butter are you holding on to? What's keeping you stuck in this new zone? Where do you struggle to believe in God? That maybe when it comes to your money, Maybe it's a job, a relationship, an offense that you maybe have with someone. Maybe it's a hobby, or an addiction, or a bad habit. Maybe it's even an ungodly belief. Maybe it's fear. Maybe it's a voice from your past that keeps you back from fully living the life God set you free to live. Whatever it is, just want you to know that it's just a little jar of peanut butter. You can leave it behind. God is so much better. First, I want to come and thank you for giving your life, paying the ultimate price you set me free set every single person in this world free. It's a gift. It's not something that we earn. It's a gift given by you. It's a gift of grace. And therefore, I want to pray for people that might not yet have received this gift, that they would today say, God, you've spoken to me, and I want to embrace that. And if that is you, I want to ask you to pray with me. Just say, Jesus, I believe that God raised you from the dead, and I acknowledge you as the Lord of my life. Just embrace that free gift. Take it as your own. Then, Father, I want to pray for people today that might be in a place where they're stuck. They have already trusted you to set them free from their old life, but they're struggling to trust you to guide them into their new life, into this new promised land. And wherever they might be 
jars of peanut butter that we're holding on to, whether it's money, whether it's work, whether it's old relationships or my past, or just even an ungodly belief, God, that you're not good. I want to come and pray in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, you can work in our hearts and in our minds right now as we surrender these things. Guys, as I'm praying, I'm experiencing, maybe if there is something like that for you, I want to invite you to write it down on a piece of paper. Make it practical. Whatever it is that you are holding on to, you need to let go to saying, Jesus, I want to live the life in abundance that you set me free for. I want you to write that on a piece of paper and then scrunch it up and throw it away. Throw it into the black dust bin there in the back or the black bag, whatever. Let it get out of your life. Give it to God. In Jesus' name we pray. And we all say, Thank you for listening to this week's message. Make sure that you get connected to this family on mission by joining us at one of our Sunday services.